Paul Gurney has just released his second solo album, Blue Horizon. Paul is also a member of Auckland band The DeSotos. Here he is to tell us how he and producer Bob Shepard set out to make Blue Horizon. Well, Bob and I have worked together. This is the fourth album we've worked on. I actually met Bob through Steve Garden. Steve produced our first DeSotos album. Right. And, and took the whole process from production through the mix mastering, the whole thing. When we came to do the second DeSotos album, Steve was up to his eyeballs and stuff and introduced us to Bob. And... I guess the rest, as they say, is history. So for the last four albums that I've worked on, Bob has sat in the production chair and Steve has come in at the back end and done the mixing and mastering. Right. Which which I can't, I kind of think is, is is a really good process because Steve comes to these tracks with completely fresh airs. You know, Bob and I, I mean, we spent about, what, 14, 15 months in, in the studio recording the album. Um, Bob does the rough mixing, and then Steve gets the stuff completely fresh and, and can go from there. Cool. Uh, yeah, and I kind of feel like I get the best of both worlds. But but Bob is fabulous. I mean, I think every time you come to make a new album, you you kind of go through that whole process of you know, shall I change up the production team or go somewhere else? And I certainly did that for this album. I kind of thought long and deep about what I wanted out of the production, I guess. But in the end. You know, I think it was a sort of an easy decision to to stay with that team because for the kind of genre I'm in, yep. apart from perhaps Wayne Bell, who I admire hugely as a producer, there's probably nobody else in Auckland that I would reach out to. So, yeah. so, so why a solo album and not a DeSoto's album? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's the second one in a row that Sort of done as a solo album, right? Um, I think um, a lot of the writing was done, I guess, prior to and during the COVID process. So it was a sort of a, a period of isolation. A lot of the songs are very acoustically driven. Um, I wanted to kind of bring the sort of Daniel Lanois pedal steel to a lot of it. Right. So it's not necessarily core DeSoto's territory. I mean, I think some of the songs on the album are and some aren't. Um, but having said that, uh, the DeSoto's rhythm section played or did all the recording. So we started with yep. a couple of days at Roundhead doing all the bass and drum tracks with the DeSoto's rhythm section. Ronnie, our keyboard player, is on about three or four of the tracks. Um, but Bob does a lot of the other sort of keyboards and atmospherics. I, I think the thing these days, because you don't make any money, let's be honest, out of recording an album, <laughs> Right. Um, so it's changed up, I think, the way that albums are produced a little bit now. And, and in some respects, I find that it's an easier process to just have total creative and artistic control over it right. and do your own thing. Um, having said that, you know, we've got the live launch gig coming out. The Decisions right. are playing at the show. So, uh, and, and we are talking about actually doing some new recording as a band next year. So, okay. Yeah. So back to this album. So from what I read, a lot of the songs are driven by some kind of existential struggles that have happened uh, with you, with everybody uh, over the probably over the COVID thing and lockdown and all that. Is that uh, the driving force behind a lot of the songs? Yeah, look, it's part of it, Marty. I mean, I don't necessarily want it to be seen just as a, another lockdown album, although there right. is one track on there that speaks specifically to that, the track Ricochet. Um, yeah. But I think 
it's it's more sort of reflecting on, I suppose, a sense of dislocation that exists probably globally, I mean, right. locally, globally. That can be a physical dislocation. It can be a, a mental dislocation. Um, and I think COVID obviously has been part of that, but I think when you look at what was going on before that in terms of the ongoing issues with climate change and then you layer in a war in Europe, Yep. Um, you've got three events, which, and I've often sort of bored my son with this theory that, <laughs> you know, th th this is the biggest thing by far to hit the planet since the Second World War. And, and we've sort of had three massive events all kind of happening concurrently. And I do a little bit of teaching, music teaching in the mental health area. And everyone I'm talking to in that sector is saying, you know, there's a tidal wave of issues coming and hitting now, and a lot of that is just driven by people's internals not really sort of coping with this whole dislocation that, that's going on in the world. Yep. So, yeah, I guess that, that did drive a number of the songs, whether you take the, the lyric at a personal level or a global level is up to the listener. Right. But, yeah, um, having said that, I wasn't trying to – I mean, it's, I kind of feel like it's a dark album, but I think it also is quite a beautiful album, Sonic. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Get too jagged with it from a sonic side, but yeah, lyrically, yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, the album opens with someplace else, and there's a video attached with that. So, why have you led things off with that? the album was completed uh, we had long discussions between Bob, Steve and I about the running order of the album as you do right? and I think artistically those guys felt that was just a killer as an opening track right. um, yet and I, and I mean I agree with it, it's probably one that doesn't necessarily live so much in the absolute Americana world, I think the tracks that follow it kind of do right. someplace else Someplace else to me sort of almost feels sort of Celtic or, uh, you know, it's almost got an English focus sort of in a strange right. way. Uh, Bob described it as a bit of early Genesis or something. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, everyone sort of, but it just felt like a, um, yeah, just a, I, I use a very unusual guitar tuning in that track, which brings a certain slightly ethereal sort of feel to the whole thing, which. Right, right. Yeah, I was excited by that track as, as a piece of creative work. So I, I think in the album ordering, we probably front stacked the slightly more abstract ethereal tracks. Right. And right. then some of the later stuff on the album is probably a little more derivative and getting into some of my influences. So, yeah. Right. Which one of those would be Belong, which is very kind of Roy Orbison-y, if that can be. Yeah. Yeah, that was complete and utter. I mean, I, I would describe that. And we deliberately in the studio went after. We just completely, I mean, it's an homage to it. Wasn't looking round at all. No pride before the fall. Dancing visions will appear. 
revealing new frontiers You should be mine Tell myself that all the time It's plain to see You belong right here with me Roy was one of my huge really loves and vocally probably still is so sort of completely unashamed about yep about that one um but yeah i guess yeah that one would be the most obvious but then also perfect space i think that track i was trying to kind of steal a little bit of the bonnie rate little right. groove on that track right just that feel um so yeah, I mean, I, I I have no issue with paying paying my respects to some of the artists that I've loved all the way through. Right. Well, one of the ones I heard was early Fleetwood Mac, like uh, uh, Albatross era on Misunderstood. It's an old refrain. Couples fuss and fight. Things get rough. Things get loud. That's that's an interesting one, um, and no, I, I take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> well, that's good. Sort of misunderstood <laughs> for me. Sort of almost sits in sort of a Texan country blues, almost a little bit of R and B in there. Um, right. But then we took it back to the country world by putting the pedal steel on it. Right. Um, it's personally, it's probably one of my favourite tracks on there. Um, I know when Wayne. Had to listen to the album that and fragile were his absolute favorites so it's it's had some nice yeah it's a track i re really like yeah. right right and and uh, watching the video you're left-handed aren't you yes i am uh -huh. good on you how, how <laughs> i am too that's why i know this <laughs> and so does that affect how does that affect your music making and especially your guitar playing um well i, I think like from a very young age, when I first picked up the guitar, when I think I was about 12, I, I always naturally held it left-handed. And I think, I don't know if it was a conscious decision at the time, but I, in fact, I think it was through school, to be honest, but I got a guitar restrung into a standard string arrangement, if you like, for yep. left-handed. So over the years, when I was quite young, it was always a bit of a pain in the ass because trying to find left-handed instruments back then was quite difficult. Sure. Um, when I went to live in the UK was the first time I actually bought a truly left-handed guitar, which was a, a beautiful Fender Strat down in Denmark Street. And it was a bit of a revelation because all of a sudden the controls being in the right place and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> everything that I'd struggled with for the first, I don't know, 10 years of playing was like, ah, okay. And 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 most of the guitars, I, I, I have a few, yeah, but I tend to import them from overseas. Right. Um, I did just buy quite recently here a, a left-hand Epiphone Casino, which was a famous Beatles instrument. So that was quite rare to find in New Zealand. I actually found that at the rock shop in Lower Hutt. So oh, nice. Very good. Good old rock shop. Now, back to the album. It ends with a tune called Windows. 
And it sounds like there's some kind of choir or something, a bunch of voices uh, joining in at that one. Tell me a little bit about that one. Um, been a member of Jubilation Choir in Auckland for I don't know about eight years now, seven or eight right. years. Right, and that's been a great learning curve for me. I think as a singer because you sing a cappella and you, unless you're doing the leads out the front, which I do a couple of, but you're you're basically singing without microphones, so no guitar, no right. nothing, yep. everything straight. Um, and I, I've kind of loved being part of the choir over the years, and I. When we talked about it, it was actually Bob's suggestion to finish that track with a little choral outro. And so I grabbed a couple of the members of Jubilation and did a bit of multi-tracking to just give it a little gospel feel. I think that track was always going to be the album closer and it just seemed there's a slightly kind of spiritual feel to the lyric. Right, uh, yep. Actually written, the original lyrical idea came from just after my mother had passed away which was the windows on high mm. feeling it. And uh, Richard Adams took that lyric and did some work with it. Oh, yeah. It, I, and the whole song's written around major seven. So it has a kind of, again, a real 70s vibe to it, I think. So, right. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So you, you, you touched on the fact you have a, uh, a launch gig coming up. I think it's what, November 17th at Thirsty Dog, right? Yep. And uh, the whole band is going to be, what else can you tell me about what folks can expect at that show? Yeah, so that, so that gig will uh, will have the members of the DeSotos playing, but also Neil Watson, who right. was the pedal steel player on the album, yep. pedal and lap steel, and Richard Adams on violin. Yep. Uh, um, and then we've also got Marnie Harris, accompanied by Wayne Bell, opening the show. So, um, oh, yeah. so it's a kind of a one-off night, and I'm yep. um, pretty excited about that. And then we head away the following week, on a, a DeSoto's tour around the North Island. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be just be, um, I'm doing about seven of the tracks off the new album, which is quite a big undertaking to actually learn because a lot of those songs won't be part of our regular set list. So, right. and, and obviously you want to present those as well in the live environment as, as you do um, on the record. So, yep, yep, yeah. yep. That should be good. Looking forward to, to hearing it live. So it's a beautiful sounding record. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. All righty. Well, good luck with the the launch and the tour, and we'll see what you come up with next. <laughs> thank you, Marty. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, see you there on the night. Righto. Bye bye. Cheers.